Hi there, this is Jacob Msiba, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Um, let's, we are on the last lap of our theme for the, for the term, which is oneness, right? Uh, oneness and, uh, and um, we, 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 we started off uh, by... Um, talking and, and we know that our theme for the term is based on Ephesians um, 4 from verse 4 where, it's, where it says there is one body, one spirit just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. And we kicked things off by just focusing on one body, right? The theme one body. And we moved on to one spirit and, and, and we moved on to one faith, which was um, inexhaustible. I mean, I felt like we need five more months just on um, one faith. Amen. Uh, because there's still quite a lot that we could not cover. And I took a risk trying to combine one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And I realized I did not know what I was doing. Father, forgive me. Amen. But we have to wrap things up. So we are just on the last lap. And uh, for this month ahead, which is the month of August, we are going to be zooming into one hope of our calling. One hope, one, one hope. Um, um, because there is something profound about this word called hope. Amen. Um, and, and I do believe that at some point at the back they will transition to my slides if it's possible. Um, one hope. But our topic um, for this morning is um, the hope of my calling. And to be more specific, the, the hope of my primary calling or my first calling, if you, if you, if you can. Um, and it will all come together. Why specifically am I saying the hope of my primary calling, especially for... Um, Today, amen. Um, let's go to the book of Job. Ujobe. Yeah. Yeah. This book is one book that when you go through it, you must be very strong in your faith. Um, because it, it is power-packed. Uh, with so many different, but for me, I encourage every Christian to go through it because it really pops your your bubble of thinking that once you become a Christian, everything is going to be hunky dory. The Book of Job, the Book of Ecclesiastes, yeah, it's it's those are books that are real. Um, they confront you with truth. Um, to a point that if you are weak in your faith, you can backslide. That's if you, you get what these books mean. Especially when Solomon begins to tell you how everything under the sun is vanity of vanities. And you're thinking, hey, my daughter, ah, hey, what are we doing? What are we, what are we on about? Hey, Tati, can you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Job 27 and verse number 8. For what hope I'm reading in the New Living Translation do the godless have when God cuts them off and take away their life? One of those things. And, and the Bible confronts us with a very profound question. What hope do the godless have when God cuts them off and takes away their life? The message translation says, what hope do people without God have when life is cut short? When God puts an end to life. When God puts an end... And I want you to, to, to realize that in the message translation, I love the way that it is put together. It does not say when God puts an end to their life. It says when God puts an end to life. Because 
we need to know that this life, at some point, there will be a pause. The Amplified Version says, For what is the hope of the godless and polluted, even though he has gained in this world? Even though he has gained in this world? Even though he has gained in this world? What hope do they have as the godless? Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray that you may speak to us this morning. Minister to our hearts. We are ready to hear from you, to receive from you. Put everything into perspective for us. Help us to be more wiser concerning this mystery called life. We depend on you, Spirit of the living God. We yield and we surrender to you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God has called us. He has a calling for each and every one of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are called. Say, you have a call of God upon your life. Hey, these, these neighbors, this side, are very difficult. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are called. Chigela kumakilwa na umchelu tu ubiziwe. Aungkosiam. Labo makilwa na labanya batabgela. It's like even when you want to say something, you are mpega na makilwa na bono te serious kakuno. Amen. Hallelujah. So God has, has, has a calling uh, for each and every one of us. And, and there's a primary calling and there's a secondary calling. And today we are going to focus more on our primary calling and in the coming weeks, our secondary calling, our first calling if you want to, our primary calling or our first calling. Because this calling, as we look at it, let, let me tell you, all of us, as we exist under the sun, we are not here by chance. We are not here by mistake. We are not here to pass time. God was very intentional when he formed us in our mother's wombs and chose families for us, chose countries for us, chose towns for us so that we may be born in them. He had a plan. He has, he has called us, but primarily or firstly, he has called us unto himself. That is our primary calling. A calling is an invitation. It is when God invites you to something that he has in store for you. He has in his mind. You know when Jeremiah says, I know the good plans that I have for you. Sometimes we come to this earth, we live our lives not aware that there is somebody who the Bible says he is mindful of us. He is more concerned about ourselves, uh, about us than we are about ourselves. And I know sometimes it is difficult uh, not to have sleepless nights about your life because you are trying to figure out what's next. What am I going to do? But one of the reasons why the song says, uh, which is from the scriptures, by the way, that uh, it does not sleep nor slumber. It is because he's the one who is mindful of us. He's the one who is always preoccupied. David even puts it this way. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? So in other words, he's the one who spends sleepless nights processing thoughts about us, how to get us into those plans that he has for us. And sometimes we take his place. That's why Jesus you know, encourages us to cast all of our cares to him. 
for he is the one who cares for us. And then it's difficult to do that. Sometimes we feel like we, we have to take responsibility of being worried about what God is supposed to be worried about. If he gets worried. Because sometimes we, we worry instead of thinking. <laughs> it's difficult to navigate between the two because sometimes you have to process difficult thoughts. And you can't help it but to find yourself catching feelings from these thoughts that are very challenging. So a calling is an invitation when God invites us to himself to what he has in store for us. And in most cases, if not all the time, we are not aware of what God has in store for us. That's why the Bible says, no eye have seen, no ear has had, nor has it entered uh, into our hearts uh, what the Lord has already prepared for us. He has already done it. But the Bible says he reveals them by his spirit. But God, as I said, first of all, invites us to himself before he invites us to what he wants us to do. He invites us to himself. And he does this, the Bible tells us, through his son, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our primary calling. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1 verse 10, for this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm. This is the Passion Translation to confirm and validate, listen, that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. That is our first invitation. God invites us to his salvation. Before he can invite you to a good life, to a life of purpose and destiny and all of that, God first invites us to salvation. Let me tell you this, it is more important to God for you to be saved than to be a superstar. I know that you don't have to choose between being saved and living a good life, but if it pushes to that, God would rather you have salvation than have a good life here on earth and drive a fancy car, live in a crate. All of us, we want that. And God wants to give it to us, but God will never replace it. He will never replace salvation with all of the things of this world. The Lord Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry, Bazalwane, kept on inviting many people Everywhere he went, he kept on telling people, come. Because he was sent exactly for that, to invite people to what God has in store for them. Come, and I will give you rest. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come. He invited even the little ones. He said, let them come as well, because he was called and used by God to let us know of what is available for us in him. All of us, as we are born into this world, we do not know of this God who cares about us, who has plans for us. And we needed him to introduce himself to us because the Bible says we did not even love him. We did not even choose him. He chose us, you know. And sometimes once we are saved and we are born again and we feel like we are cruising in faith, we think life, we think, we think that we have made the best decision of choosing God. But God bursts our bubble. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you. You hated me. You did not want me. And, 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 and here's the difference here, Bazalani. That's why we have today what is called religion because religion is man's attempt to know God, to find ways to go to God. But God longs for a relationship. And relationship, it is when God introduces himself to man. He comes and he says, this is who I am. And this is how you can get to me. And that is where we now have a true and a living relationship 
with God. Life in this world and this world as we know it, I want you to note this. It will one day come to an end. Sometimes this life and this world offers things that we think it doesn't get better than this. It can be greater than this. We, we, we get to a point where we're like, wow. Uh, you know, I don't want to miss an opportunity of enjoying what life has to offer. I want to do anything and everything that is available under the sun because it doesn't get better than this. And this life keeps us busy. This world keeps us preoccupied and, and as if, if I'm not part of something, it feels like I'm missing something. I'm missing out on something. Hey, this world, Bazarwane, is a problem. This world has a way of just causing us to be preoccupied. The Bible calls it the cares of this world. The cares of this world, which it says they choke even the word of God. What the word of God is supposed to produce in our lives. The cares of this world has a way of causing us to think that the, the world and life as it is, is everything. And, and that's why when it comes to even God and the things of God, we will say things like, Pella, people must not forget and the church must not forget. They must remember that we have a life. <laughs> we, we only live once. It seems as if God, whenever he's asking us something, he is disturbing our nice life. Hmm. But this life in this world, and this world as we know it, and I'm going to shock you in one of the scriptures actually, one day it is going to come to an end. There is going to be a pause. To everything under the sun, there's going to be a pause one day. When you want to wake up and, and go to that job that you worship. And, and go to that. You remember how when Jesus uh, told of a parable of a master who sent out his servants. And said, go and call them. <laughs> invite them, he said. Invite them to the, to the, to the, to the, to the uh, banquet that was already prepared. They, they were busy. The Bible said they had excuses. They were busy. They said, I'm busy with my family. I'm busy with my ox. I'm busy with this. I'm busy with that. Until I'm busy with my wife. Hey, one day there will be a pause. You are not going to have a moment. My God, my God. Hey. One day there will be a pause. There will never be a Dubai or a holiday or anything. There will never be a chance. God will not care at that moment what are you busy with. He will not come and inquire whether will you have time to attend to his schedule at that point. This is what Jesus says. At that moment we must even pray that it will not be winter. And he continues to say, Woe unto those who will be pregnant. During that time, because he will not care whether the environment is conducive for what he will want to do at that point. Yeah, as we sometimes today, we have a choice, it's cold today, I'm not going to church. There will be a time where Jesus will not care whether it's cold. Hey, I wonder what will be happening. The Bible says we will be running to the mountains, I don't know why. Hey, it will, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I don't know. Maybe we must live closer to mountains somewhere. <laughs> but the Bible says he will not care whether it will be winter. We must pray that it is not going to be winter during that time. So one day there will be a pause to song, let's pity, pity, let be the There will be a pause where God's greater purpose will matter. 
I love this life, I love this world and money and all of that. But may God help us. May God help us not to think that it is everything. That's why he gives us an advice. He says, seek ye first the kingdom. He says, seek ye first. Prioritize it. Let it be the most important. But, but many of us, if we can do an introspection, the kingdom is somewhere. If I have time. If I will, I will get a chance, I can accommodate what God... I mean, <laughs> look at us when we get jobs and, and we start businesses and we get married and we have friends. Look at us. We, we prioritize everything else and see if we can fit God into our schedules. May God help us. The Bible says in 1 John 2 verse 17, And the world... The Bible says, is passing away. Yeah. The world is passing away. And the last of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. But here's the shocking one. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And then it says, heaven and earth will pass away. That's the shock, including heaven as we know it. <laughs> there will be a time where everything will be rearranged. You see now the concept of, because when you, let, let, let me help us. Whenever you read about heaven in the Bible, you must always have hell in mind. Because we have a way of reading and talking about heaven as if it is our final destination, all of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. You must listen to us in funerals. We, we don't always put the clause of if. There's this part of you might mishave. It's like we make an assumption that especially the more you love a person, the more they deserve to go to heaven. It's like God must, must accept the people we love. God, because I love this person, you must please. I want. How do you know? so sure that you are going to meet in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you tomorrow. What do we say, by the way? Yeah. See you in the morning. Hey, how do you know? Yeah, it's not good. It's, how do you know? Because each time there's going to be bad. But now, when we are here on earth, we have this concept of heaven and hell and, 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 and sometimes it becomes a too far-fetched thing, but there will be a time <laughs> where it is going to be a reality. Like we'll wake up and everything will be bam. Because now our concept of heaven is something in the sweet by and by. Something that is there and, and sometimes you get tempted to say, ah, maybe it might not even happen. Probably when I die, that's it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. There will come a time. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So only the word of God under the sun is eternal. Everything else as you know it, the car, the money, the house, the spouse, the friends, the job, the business. Everything. One day, it will go. The Wi-Fi. <laughs> that we can't, that we can't. I, I remember my son used to have a jersey. That's written Wi-Fi password, please. So everywhere he goes, the first thing he's looking for is like, now during load shedding, and I did it deliberately because I used to have uh, the backup power for the Wi-Fi. So that when power goes, I mean, they, they were cruising nicely. And I decided I want just to sort them out, just to teach them to live without it. And I disconnected that thing. Hey! But now they are smarter than me. When, 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 when they, because they have the schedule now, they download. <laughs> just before the schedule, they download everything that, they, that is going to keep them for two hours. Or for four hours sometimes. Amen. 
But all of these things around us one day will pass away. Let me tell us, Bazalwane, God says, but only his word will abide forever. And that is because our God is eternal. Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27, the Bible says, the eternal God who is your refuge. So, so in other words, God is the only person, the only thing that guarantees eternity. He's the only one who can be our refuge, not these other things that will pass away one day. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, he has called us to himself. And if he has called us to himself, what does it mean? He has called us to eternity, to spend eternity with him. And by so doing, escaping what the Bible calls eternal judgment. Eternal wrath and damnation because there is what the Bible refers to as eternal judgment. You see, Barcelona, when we are talking about the fundamentals of Christianity, the basic doctrine that Jesus taught when he was here on earth, the book of Hebrews puts it beautifully for us in the book of Hebrews chapter number six uh, from verse number one and two. And the Bible tells us about uh, 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 faith and repentance from dead works. And then it talks about instructions about baptism, the resurrection of the dead. And then it talks about eternal judgment. And, and many of us, we live our lives as if, <laughs> and, and here's the deal, Basolani. The, the, the Bible says it's eternal judgment. So in other words, that judgment that will be given to you will remain with you forever. And when God calls us to himself, in other words, he says, I am calling you to save you, to give you something that is going to ensure that your eternal judgment is going to be for your good. Jude chapter number one and verse number seven says, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to this, the Bible says, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. Listen, it says, are set forth as an example. So in other words, God says, whatever that I did to Sodom and Gomorrah, it was not just J, it was an example of what is still to come. The Bible says, suffering the vengeance of eternal life, of eternal fire. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Hey. And I always tell people that, you know, when the Bible talks about fire, you know, the lake of fire, people, we, we have this imagination, right? That's why uh, many people think, they can handle hell, man. What it, I mean, if I'm in a building and there's fire, sometimes I will die even before the flames get to me. That's what many people think. <laughs> Number one, it says the fire is eternal. And two, when we die, we have this picture of thinking that that's why we are bold to put rest in peace on our tombstones. Because here's the picture we have. We're saying this part of you that can suffer, which is the body, left behind in the grave, rotten, and your soul and your spirits will rest in peace in heaven. Jesus. Ask the rich man that the Bible talks about, that after his body was buried, his soul was still thirsty, not for a cup of water, for a drop. And that feeling stays with you forever. It's almost like you each way you cannot scratch. Ah. And the, and the Bible says there will be a time where we are just going to, huh, you probably are saying to me, are you preaching uh, doom and gloom? Are you preaching hell? Yes. I have to tell you the truth that hell exists. And, and it's, it's not a place that you can say, no, I'll handle it. No, 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 no. No, no, you see, in this world, there are people who are so bold to say, 
What do they mean? I'm not afraid of jail. I'll deal with you. I'll kill you now and go and, and save time. Why? Because they, they can handle jail. They've been there a couple of times. They, as, as much as it is hell, it's fine for them. Oh, not with the real hell. Even Satan himself is afraid of it. That's why he wants to take as many people as possible together with him. But God promises us eternal life with him. And God's eternity, Barcelona, as we, as we know it, includes number one, eternal salvation. That this salvation that we experience here on earth because we were saved, we are being saved and we shall be saved. But this salvation, I want you to know, beloved, that it is eternal. It is not the salvation of here on earth. Today, as long as I'm still here, at least so that I can live that saved life. No, this salvation is eternal. It is the kind of salvation that also saves us from that eternal rest that I am talking about. And number two, God's eternity includes eternal life. Because when we die, <laughs> your soul continues to live somewhere. That's why I said, we, we, when we read heaven, you must also add a clause, or oh, hell. Because when we die, all of us, the destination is not heaven. It's not just heaven. There's also the chances that you might find yourself in a place where my mind is silly now. I'm thinking of another pastor I had who said, when you die, if you go to... Yeah, no, isn't those in England clubbing. But, 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 but here's the deal, Barcelona. We need to understand that there is life after death. There is life beyond the grave. And, and when God says, I, I, I'm a God of eternity and... And salvation, remember the Bible says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him will not perish, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. So in other words, he says, when is that time for you to transition from this world to the other world? He says, you are going to spend life with me. That is eternal life. The kind of life that God wants us to have even beyond the grave. This is the kind of life where you are not going to be bothered by what is happening under the sun. You are just going to just spend eternity uh, with God in heaven. And heaven is the realm of God, where God dwells and abides. He says, heaven is my throne. That's what he says. So this salvation that we, you and I are talking about, this church business is not just for here and now so that we can look cool and, and say, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm a religious person. I'm, I'm, I'm a church goer. No, no, no. It is something for eternity. Something that we take with to eternity. And number three, this uh, uh, eternity also includes eternal glory. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So in other words, everything that you are going through today here on earth, you might be in pain, you might be in suffering, but let me tell you something. It cannot be compared to the glory that you are going to experience once you transition from this world. The Bible tells us as the children of God that there is glory that is waiting for us. The kind of glory that is going to make you forget about everything that has happened under the sun. Why? Because it can never be compared. Maybe you have issues with God while you are still here on earth. Maybe you have a bone to chew with God. Maybe you think that there are some of the things that are unfair that were done to you. But let me tell you this. As soon as you experience the eternal glory, let me tell you, you will forgive God even before you approach Him. Why? 
because you are going to realize that the pain that I've gone through to keep my faith, it was worth this eternal glory. It was worth this splendor. It was worth the beauty and this kind of beauty makes me forget every kind of sorrow. That's why the Bible even says that Jesus had to focus on the glory that was ahead of him. He forgot about the perfect that Bebem Tuga. He forgot about the fact that why? Because he knew the glory that he experienced when he was with the Father. He didn't care. No That's why he said, for they do not know what they are doing. Why? Because he knew the glory that was waiting for them. Let me tell you this. If you are suffering as a child of God, suffering for the faith, not just for other things I'm talking about, suffering for the faith, your relatives turning against you, your friends turning against you, saying to you, you think you are better. You need to understand that it is working for your eternal glory. The eternal weight of glory. There is that kind of glory that we are going to be experiencing in the presence of the Lord. Where we are going to forget about our sorrow, forget about our pain, forget about all of the questions that we had. We are going to forget. Why? For the glory that is waiting for us. It will not matter anymore whether I, I did not become a multimillionaire. It will not matter whether I drove a car. It will not matter. But on the other side of the grave. And as a young preacher growing up, I used to criticize that. I used to say, no, 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 no. What do they mean? They have reached a life where they knew that nothing else matters for the glory. You know, there's an age where you get to, where you realize that you know what? It's not about the car. It's not about the house. It's not about my bank balance. It is about where I am going to spend eternity. That is where I need to focus on. The Bible says all of the pain and all of the sorrow. It is waking for your weight of glory. Oh, there will be a time that when you walk in, the glory will be so awesome. The glory will be so overwhelming. The glory will be, will be so fulfilling. The glory will tell you that it was all worth it. The, the gigs you missed, the parties you missed, the conversations you did not participate in, you will say it was all worth it. You will say, that you kept me from all of the things that others thought they had glory. Because that the enemy keeps on flashing to many. The glory that even Satan introduced to Jesus. And he said to you, see the glory of all of these kingdoms. If you can bow down to me, I am going to give it to you. And unfortunately, many of us are blinded by the glories of this world. Whenever the, whenever the enemy shows us things that are happening in this world. And they are shining like glory. They are like gold, but they are brass. From a distance, they look like they are happening. From a distance, they look like they are fulfilling. From a distance, they look like they matter. But the closer you get, you realize it was not worth it. It was not worth my soul. That's why Jesus says, what will profit a man if he gains this whole world and yet loses his own soul? Because there will be a time where you will soon wake up and realize my soul was much more valuable than the house I lived in, the car. Mfundis, do you mean we must not care about these things? No, we need them. But they can never be compared. We need to know where we need to focus on. Things pertaining to eternity. Not just this. This life is going to end. That's why when Job, who had everything, when he was confronted with questions, you say, you've lost it all. He said to them, listen, listen, I came naked to this world. And naked will I go back. Said, what does it matter? I came to this world without these things anyway. And I will return without them anyway. 
Because none of us, when we go before the judgment seat, will be asked, where did you stay? What did you drive? What was your bank balance before you died? How was your funeral? How much was it? How much was the package? No one is going to be asked that questions because it will not matter anymore. I see these days they even design Louis Vuitton coffins, Gucci coffins. I see these days they even have houses that I have that have glasses where everyone must see my coffin. Oh my goodness. There's a helicopter. And I'm sure all of us we think I once attended a funeral. Bab Shandu, Kwakamuga Maselehi Pogisi, Kwakamugo Munye, and he took out a knife because there was a friend with this guy and he died and he was stabbed and and hey, because to be a pastor, I tell you, it's, it's very <laughs> it's very interesting, eh? Hey, to go is to see because you have to be there. And this man came, a palm anji, and he took out his knife. His, uh, I'm not sure whether he has the okap. Yeah, the one that has a ring on the side. Oh, and he took it out. And why bamba why vula? what? And, and scratched the ground and he and he threw it inside the, the grave. And he said, Don't forget to Uzbek allow your call. I was like, wow. Ah, many of us we think we figured it all out. Yay, they don't know that beyond the grave. Because the kind of fight that you'll be facing, it does not need any natural weapon. It's the kind of a fight that only angels can be involved in. If you don't believe me, ask Moses that when he died, the Bible says the enemy tried to come and catch his body and he did not have to fight for himself. But the angels from heaven came and said, devil, not this one. And they snatched his body. If you don't believe me, ask Elijah that when he was about to leave, the Bible says the chariots of fire showed up. And, oh, my goodness. What are you talking about? There's eternal glory that is waiting for us. I don't care, Mtana Sekaya. You might be saying, You will soon realize that compared to the eternal glory. But, but, but here's what I want you to see. Just in case you are saying to me, you are being insensitive. You don't know what you are going through. Let me tell you. Number one, God will never put more on you than you can handle. But, but, but here's the second part that I want you to see from this scripture. It says, for we know that if our, it says, for our light affliction. And the Bible calls it light, by the way. Very light. I'm you don't understand. I've lost everyone in my life. The Bible says it's light. Do, do you know why? Do you know why it, it says it's light? Okay. It's because compared to the affliction, in hell, you will realize that. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was I thought Nyakowisha. I thought Nyakowisha. That rich man who was buried with 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 Lazaro. The, the Bible says he wanted to come back and tell the relatives, "Hey, you don't want to be where I am." Bible says it's light affliction. I've lost my job yesterday. I've lost it all. I've lost my house. And it's light affliction. You want to kill yourself? Oh. The Bible says it's light affliction. You, it's light affliction. There are people who are really go-wishing. In hell. And they can't do anything about it. By a go-wish. In hell. By a go-wish. Listen. And, and then it says, which is but for a moment. He's been five years not having a job. It's a moment, man. And it's light. Take note. It is working. Your affliction is not in vain. The Bible says it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Let me put it this way. <laughs> there is a rank you will have in heaven 
based on what you've, got, you've gone through in, 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 here on earth. Yeah, that levels. It's like Konabandu. Because these are the ones who kept the faith. These are the ones who were persecuted, but they kept the faith. These are the ones who lost it all, but they kept the faith. These are the ones who lost their jobs, but they kept the faith. These are the ones who got sick, but they kept the faith. These are the ones who tried to pray for things and they never received their answers, but they kept the faith. I'm imagining Mishet Shetrek and Abednego. But we will never bow down. And they kept the faith. There is a weight of glory that is waiting for them. There is a weight of glory. There is a weight of glory. In heaven, because of the kind of affliction that they've gone through, you see, sometimes even when it does not make sense, even when we cannot explain it, even when the world is laughing at us and they say, Look at us, we are enjoying life. You've been praying for this, you've been praying for that, and nothing is moving in your life. But let me tell you something there will be, and, and, and you know, compared to Compared to this life, compared to eternity, is a drop in the ocean. And everything that we sometimes process, we use the framework of reference of this drop. But we think it's everything. But eternity, imagine the ocean with the drop. So our life, drop, one, drop. So you can think that, oh, wow, eight years in Pilile. Oh, I had this. I had it drop. Look at that. And that's where this eternal glory is. <sighs> that is. This is where this eternal salvation is. This is where this eternal life is. I need to close. And number four, it says, there's an eternal body. Oh. Second Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house it says, this tent, it says, is destroyed. Listen to what God tells us about eternity. He says, this is, this is Paul speaking. He says, we have a building from God. A house, the Bible says, a house not made with hands. It says, eternal in the heavens. And, and many of us, we can be crying for that six pack here on earth. We can be crying for that, that beautiful body and whatever the case may be. And maybe we are not going to reach that six pack, six pack goal. And the Bible says this body is going to perish. And maybe they were mocking you at school. They were saying you are not even good looking. The Bible tells us, Basalwane, that it does not matter how you died. Even if you were bent to ashes, the Bible tells us that there will be a time. Oh my goodness. The Bible says where the trumpet will sound. And the Bible says the graves will crack open. The Bible says even though the ashes were thrown into the sea, they will be contact. They will be contained. And the Bible says that the twinkling of an eye. We shall be changed. We shall be transformed. We shall be given new bodies. The kind of body that can be able to handle eternity. Because this body, as great as it is, it can handle. Let me help you. Do you know why people fall when they are being prayed for? Okay, 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 all right. bakada. <laughs> it is because, it is because when God anoints a vessel and when he spends time in the presence of God and there's a glory and when he ministers and he lays hands, it is not him touching you but the, God just gives you a glimpse of his manifested presence at a higher level and your body can't take it. And your body can't handle it. Because this glory, that, that's why the Bible says it is the weight of glory. And when God begins to come heavy on you, this natural body, that's why before we can transition to heaven, we need new bodies that can be able to handle the presence of... Oh. 
That's why Moses could not handle the glory of God. The Bible tells us that when he walked out of the glory of God, the children of Israel could not. They said, you talk to God. Just go to him and you come and tell us what he says. The Bible says that he, they could not even look at Moses. He had to put a veil on his face. Because our natural eyes, our natural ears cannot handle both the sight and the sound of God. We shall be given eternal bodies. Where you, the body that you are going to receive, it will not age. It will not grow tired. It will not be sick. It will not feel pain. It will not know tears of sorrow. That kind of a body is the kind of a body that can be able to enjoy eternity in heaven with God each and every day. That is the kind of a body that Adam had that was in total fellowship with God. That even other creatures could not differentiate between God and Adam. That they bowed down to Adam because of the kind of glory that he was carrying. Because that body has no rays, but that body only reflects the shining glory of God. You, you cannot fight for That's why... I don't participate in the fights of race when it comes to the when it comes to oh who was the first person who was created was he black or white no he was not the first person who was created had no race that's why it has no bearing either black or white or brown or yellow whatever the case may be that's why the word Adam means to show blood. I mean, what, what does that mean? Life. So in other words, when I show up, I will be oozing of life, not, not race. The first thing you will see is life. The glorious life of God in, on the inside of me. Sometimes we reduce eternity to politics. And we make God small like this. God faster. That's why the Bible says in him there is neither Jew nor Greek, nor faith, no female, no male. Okay. I don't want to stress you. And the Bible speaks about eternal redemption. Let's stand on our feet as I close. And then the Bible speaks about eternal inheritance. Kunefa. Labalungile. an inheritance waiting for us. But here's the thing. This calling unto God through Jesus Christ gives us hope. Don't walk this earth as a Christian without this hope. Because you will judge everything according to what is happening here on earth. And you might even reduce your chances of making it. That's why many backslide and turn away because they've shifted their eyes away from this hope. Many can ask me, I have this hope. I have this hope. That's why then Job, after having gone through all of the difficult seasons, and, and he sees how God was just ministering to him and showing him things that are important, he asks the question. Because every other person who lives his life without God, they process and filter everything according to the tangible things. Yeah. If I don't have an iPad, I feel worthless. If I don't have money in my bank account, I feel reduced. I am hopeless and helpless. If I have, have no job, I am hopeless. The Bible says when we, are, when we were away from God, that's what the Bible says, we were in the world. And the Bible says we were hopeless without God. Because there's no hope that one day, how, how am I sure, Uguti, the poorest of the poor, the number one poor person in this whole world, how can I encourage that person that even when they are in a country, that there is no hope economically, how can I give them hope? I can give them hope. 
about this eternal God. That there is an eternal salvation for them. That whatever that they have gone through, that's why sometimes we can reduce God to say, if God is this great and if God is loving and kind, how can he allow other people to suffer? Let me tell you, this is nothing compared to what he has for us. That's why the Bible says, better is the righteous with the little that they have than the wicked with the multi-millions or whatever the case may be. Why? Because that is what gives us hope. This gospel gives us, gives us that hope. Gives us, we live with this hope. Why are we, why are we persevering? Why are we, why, why are we keeping the faith? Why, why do we keep on going to church? Why do we keep on praying? Because of this hope. Because we have this hope on our side. Who does not sleep nor slumber. Who is more concerned about our eternity. Yes, he's going to give us the good life here on earth. But he is more concerned about our eternity. Because the things of this world and this world are nothing compared to eternity. To where we are going. Nothing. 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 That after... You, you, you were born and you went to school and you started a business and you had the greatest job and, and you gathered all the, the gold and the silver and you were popular and you were, your name was mentioned in the biggest of corridors. When that life ends and is put to a pause, what is your hope? that can only happen for so many years. But after that, when it's time for the eternal judgment, what is your hope? When the kingdoms, the Bible says, of this world becomes the kingdom of our God. Where will you run to? You see, we are in this journey of salvation because of that eternal hope. We, we are in this Christian walk and, and we, we are doing it we are doing it we, we are doing it it's that our hope is Jesus. The Bible called him in the Old Testament the hope of Israel. But Paul, when he introduces himself in one of the epistles, he says, I'm the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So the one who became their hope today is also our hope. This world as we know it, he says, my word will abide forever. What or who is that word? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and it tabernacled amongst us. Full of grace and truth. That is that word which is our foundation that we stand upon. Omunya Uti on Christ the solid rock I stand because all other ground is sinking. Sinaleli temba because eye twinda. We will still be enjoying our eternity, our eternal life with God. When we say ashes to ashes and dust to dust, Where God will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
who are going to be given their crowns. As, as we are running this race, that's why the Bible says there is a cloud of witnesses saying, Jacob, don't give up. There are things where we are that are much more important than what you are going through. Even if you've missed opportunities, don't give up. There is a far more greater joy where we are. The Bible says they are cheering us on to say we must not give up in this race. Abu in just 60 seconds begin to pray and ask God to give you the strength to hold on to this hope this eternal hope Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.